Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about intuitive eating strategies over the holidays. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's new? Uh, Okay, Gina, did you see the video that I posted of Mark holding our rather large bulldog on his lap with a Christmas wreath around her neck, rubbing her belly like she he's holding her like a child. I, I mean, mm-hmm. she's like sitting on her butt and he's holding her up. He was recording something for work. Don't ask me, but it was just timed so perfectly. I was walking down the stairs. I don't remember from what. And I can hear him talking as though he's talking like recording. I don't know. Apparently, we record a lot of things in our house. And I round the corner to the dining room and I see <laughs> what exactly what was on the video. And thank God I had my phone with me promptly recorded. So I did save this to my stories. If you're interested, check out Prevention RD. And it's under, I think, the happy uh, story. I saved it. It was too good not to save. But yeah, our our bulldog sitting on Mark's lap while he's recording a thank you for something HR related at work. Um, It was just too funny. He's like feeding her treats and it was hilarious. (laughs) And the dog was just in heaven. Yeah. She definitely did not hate it at all. And (laughs) it was it was just funny. It it was just one of those things that I just happened to walk in at the right time. It was perfect. (laughs) The whole work from home thing is very interesting. Uh, But it is uh, we're we're recording this a little bit early, but I am basically off um, the entire like second half of the month of November. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so as a follow up, we did not go to the Florida Keys. Uh, we stayed back and are having a little staycation. Uh, ironically, yeah, we're just hanging low, chilling out. Um, and I said to Mark, I'm basically going to be doing the same thing next month as well to to burn PTO. I had kind of stockpiled all this PTO in the event that, I, you know, we traveled over Thanksgiving and and spent time with family. And then at Christmas time had just given myself that nice uh, chunk of time and lo and behold, nothing's going on. <laughs> I'm just trying to make the best of it. Um, and a book recommendation, the house in the cerulean sea, is that how you would pronounce that word? You know, that really pretty blue crayon color. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. I, I think you said it great. Cerulean I have no sea. idea. I've never heard of, should I have heard of the sea? Uh, I think it's fictional. <laughs> I, I, okay. I hope because I haven't. Wait, you said it. it's a crayon color? Yeah. That, you know, that gorgeous blue in like the crayon box. Cerulean. No, I don't normally look at the crayon colors. I realize that oh. maybe I'm, I'm one of the few people. I, I don't know. I don't, should, but. Okay. Google. I can picture color. the color. It's okay. just the okay. most beautiful blue that you've ever seen. And this is my book club book for the month. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we've been meeting virtually forever now, but, uh, mm-hmm. It's almost like a Harry Potter type book. I'm really enjoying it. It's a nice little break from, I don't know, murder and death and drama and romance. It's just completely different. I would have never chosen the book, but I'm really enjoying it. So if you're looking for something a bit different. Yeah. And then um, one other thing. So I, um, last Sunday, 
today is Friday. Yeah, last Sunday, I took a full on blow from another hockey player. And my teammate said that my head hit the ice before anything else. And it definitely hurt in the moment. Like I saw Tweety Bird, the whole thing. Well, we're five days later now, Gina. I like on a scale of one to 10, I'm somewhere between a four and a six, like all times. It is really, really, really uncomfortable. And ironically, Mark is off getting a massage right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm podcasting. I don't even know that a massage would help or be enjoyable at this stage. Like it's it's that painful. So hopefully you go to get it checked out to see if you had a concussion. Um no. Nicole. Okay. I always say to myself, what would I do for my kids? Honestly, because I think we take care of our kids more sometimes than ourselves. You should definitely get that checked out. I don't have a headache though, or any of the other. Oh, it does not matter. I would still get it checked out. Uh, you you hit your head on the ice. Now, granted you had a helmet on, but still, yeah, but my I would get it checked out. Is the major issue. I mean, debatable. It could be my I head. I think our listeners are nodding their heads like, yes, Gina is correct. Go uh, get that checked out. If your daughter hit her head on the ice as hard as you did, would you even think twice about it? Well, here's the thing. It okay. it felt like it hurt to me. I, I didn't see it, right? I was experiencing it. So I don't know how bad it looked, but mm-hmm. this aftermath is pretty terrible. I will tell you, if I am still feeling like this through the weekend, because there's, I mean, it's mm-hmm. Friday afternoon. There's nothing I can do about it now. Uh, but I will definitely go get it checked out next week. Okay. I'm checking in on you. Okay. Thanks, G. All right. But you guys are on lockdown, right? In Michigan. It's like serious over there up there well no no bars no dine-in uh no movie theaters no organized sports uh and then everything i think it's sixth and above is all virtual oh okay that was largely this has not affected anything in our lives really yeah yeah and and it's a little bit less stringent here in ohio i would say like we have a curfew of 10 Mm o'clock uh and then so 10 to 5 is our curfew we've got a curfew uh, they have not closed anything yet, uh, but yeah, the curfew, obviously the mask mandate, um, they are threatening closing things, but it has not happened yet. And they are highly advising, obviously, as I I, I think they're doing in most states, uh, staying home for Thanksgiving and not doing an extended Thanksgiving meal. I think it's just it's, 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 it's as much as they can do at this point, right? Um, I think most people aren't really eating out. And I know that because my husband sells food for a living to restaurants. So mm-hmm. I see it. Uh, but man, I, I saw on what the New York Times or something came on my phone this morning that said that the, I think it was Pfizer or something, the mm-hmm. drug company is is submitting to the FDA today. And with possibly their sites on De- having their sites on December for release of this vaccine. Wow. That just seems way too good to be true. And yeah, it, it's exciting. I mean, I hope that's, that's really what happens. We'll see. This is as good as it's, as we've ever, as it's ever been. I mean, I know our president has said we were going to have a vaccine for the past six months, you know, but finally, <laughs> I actually finally have some, a glimmer of hope. I feel like. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. So are we ready to jump in? That was your, that's your update? Nothing else? Uh, no, I really have nothing else. Okay. I ha- oh, so I, I guess that's true. I was doing an update, wasn't I? So lockdown in Ohio, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, really, we have nothing because there's really nothing going on. I've been trying really hard to, as you know, I'm a planner, but I already have a list of things that we hope to do over the next, you know, three to six weeks of just really hunkering down inside. I have a lot of baking to do to get ready for our baking episode. A lot of beer to go out and buy. 
Mm-hmm. Yay. Yippee. Reading or doing working on a puzzle right now, which I've really been enjoying. Uh, yeah, there's really not go- not much going on. It's uh, pretty boring around these uh, parts. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. All right. So before we begin talking about intuitive eating, just a quick favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us, and they really help us reach more people. So we'd appreciate it so much. All right. So now into our topic. If you haven't already, go back and listen to episode number 15 about our history with diets, disordered eating, and for me, an eating disorder. This episode will give you a glimpse into how much we have changed since becoming adults, dietitians, and notably making peace with food in our bodies. No, we are not perfect, and we still may at times get sucked back into diet culture and get stuck on unrealistic goals. I mean, we are human, but food freedom and body acceptance is a journey, not a destination. On today's episode, we will talk about stories of our past when the holidays may have included things such as calorie counting and over-obsessing about food, and stories of our current selves embracing the holidays and all the deliciousness they have to offer. Mm. We will give you a glimpse of living the holidays out the intuitive eating way versus the diet culture way. And in the end, you can choose what's best for you. All right. So discussion. So I think I originally kind of wrote these out thinking I would we would hit all the different 10 principles. Then I realized that was ridiculous. So we're just going to kind of look at about four of the 10 principles of intuitive eating today and kind of look at um, how we've embraced these principles now versus in the past. And if you're interested, obviously, in learning more about the 10 principles of intuitive eating, feel free to order the book on Amazon. Uh, I'm also going to make a recommendation at the end for the workbook, which I'll I'll talk about near the end of the podcast. Okay, so first thing, Nicole. So the the first principle of of Uh, intuitive eating is reject the diet mentality. It doesn't mean that that has to be the first principle that you start to embrace. Actually, the order of the principles in the book are really just the order that the authors felt to be best, but does not mean that if you are trying to learn about intuitive eating, you necessarily have to go in this particular order. But I just wanted to start with this one anyway. So again, reject diet mentality is principle number one. Nicole, how did diet mentality affect you you know, back when you maybe didn't have a great relationship with food during the holidays. So then versus how it affects you now. Unfortunately, I have extensive experience in the area of dieting. Uh, I would say basically from the age of 13 to my early 20s, I was on some type of a restrictive eating pattern, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would, the holidays just in general incurred this loss of perceived loss of power and control and ultimately some true anxiety around the holidays. And looking back, I can say that the focus around calories and weight truly overpowered any enjoyment or fulfillment the holidays brought. I shouldn't say any, but it trumped it. It was more important. It was, that was what I thought of first with the holidays versus what the holidays are really all about. Right. And so there is always this effort. And I, I did read your answer. You answered to the question, you know, prior to me, but, um, you know, what you'll say is I echo completely, but there was this pattern of over-exercising, going into holiday meals and get-togethers. So I could put myself into this calorie deficit and then it was followed by closely planning what I was going to eat. And ultimately that led to guilt and worry the whole cycle there. And I can't say when or why it clicked for me, uh, but I just don't care about any of it because for me, this is no longer a transactional thing. I'm not going to go into the holidays if this, then that. Um, it's yep. just part of um, 
And, and I really wish I could identify the point in time where I stopped giving um, to Hoots. But I would say I definitely look forward to the food at the holidays. Um, but that's because my relationship with food is healthy and I'm able to enjoy all of the holidays. And I don't feel this loss of control because I don't live a restrictive life and therefore I eliminate any type of binging or restrictive behaviors. So it, for me, it's very cyclical. I wish I could identify the point in which that that pivot happened. Um, but going into the holiday season, just so grateful that I'm there. What about yeah. you? I, you know, for me, I will say, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but for me, that point was when I had a kid, my first, when I had Paige, that's really when things started to change. I thought to myself, do I want, would I want her living like this, you know, so obsessed with calories and weight management? I don't think I would. And, and I also used to think to myself, if I died today, would I regret the way I'm living my life? I used to think like that. Like, and, and I think it's still a good question to ask yourself, like, what would I regret? Not that I like to have regrets, but I think to myself, okay, you know, am I living my best life? And I would ask myself that. I'm like, no, I, I have wasted so much time looking at labels, counting calories, obsessing over my weight. That is not something that I want to look back at when I'm dead. Like, oh, I could have you know, spent that time doing something much more, uh, you know, um, productive anyway, than going off on a tangent. But that's kind of when it clicked with me with Paige. Mm -hmm. All right. So rejecting the diet mentality, I, I would say, I not only was guided by diet mentality, but I preached it so hard. Um, so back when my relationship with food and my body was poor, I literally spewed diet culture. I advised heavily on counting calories and counting carbohydrates to my clients. I preached to clients the importance of watching portions at parties, really with the ultimate goal of not gaining weight over the holidays, because that's what everyone always talked about, that dreaded, you know, 10 or 15 pound weight uh, gain over the holidays. And I would try to talk to clients about how to prevent that. Um, I was terrified to gain weight myself too, of course, obviously. So I was always strategizing the best ways to keep calories down, especially when going out to dinner or parties or events around the holidays. Uh, looking back, this affected me by not allowing me to live in the moment and enjoy the holidays or truly the people I was with, I would be so fixated and focused on the food and calories and what was I going to eat and what would fit into my calories for that meal. I couldn't even enjoy the time and the experience. Um, so now diet mentality really doesn't affect me at all. And I don't think anything about gaining holiday weight, like not even one iota. And I just feel so, so good saying that. So, so we've made some strides. All right. So principle number two is honor your hunger. All right. How did or didn't you honor your hunger then versus now? And how did that affect you at parties? Starting with recent years, I would say, um, yeah, I've just improved upon this greatly. There, There's none of this need to, I mean, I can remember many a times leaving fill in the blank event with this almost need to unbutton my pants on the drive home like that leaving <laughs> in that type of a level of discomfort because of my loss of control and, and it, again yeah. it stemmed from restriction followed by you know this environment where yeah i i, I was going in with none of the tools to to, to tackle that 
in a in a healthy way because there's nothing wrong with any of that but when you don't practice intuitive eating on a daily basis you can't go into something like the holidays and expect to be successful and and, and meet fill in the blank goal and and I think for me that goal was always um food focused versus whatever it was and and you know kind of going back to question 1 Gina and when did that click for me maybe it was having a kid because suddenly you weren't just standing around I mean you were like I was breastfeeding or I was doing this or it, and I just realized, yeah, family first and just really what was important. I mean, there's nothing like yeah. knocking you off, you know, out of rotation in the world than having a kid and, and suddenly you just don't really matter. I shouldn't say that, but it, it definitely puts things in perspective. But anyway, going back to the question, I would say I ate everything um, I wanted in recent years and noticed over time that I was perhaps more satisfied because I was eating intuitively. And then it led to just not this physical discomfort with how much I ate. Um, Like, for example, I love my cousin's broccoli cheddar cheese casserole. I don't even know what's in it. It doesn't. It's it's like Ritz crackers, butter, broccoli and like Velveeta. And. We all look forward to it every year. But I I think now, like I don't even think about this because it's it's just part of who I am. But let's say I had a second serving after I'm already full. full. Like I just know that I'm not going to have enjoyed that casserole more because it starts to lose its appeal because I'm not hungry. I'm not going to look back and say, oh, you know, Gina, in 2015, I was on a diet and I didn't get that second helping and that ruined my holidays. Like it's when you think about it like that and you put the food on this pedestal and it has this power over you, it, it, it you just have it, it's perspective. I mean, nobody would look back at 20 fill in the blank year and regret not having done things differently with intuitive eating. Right. Yes. The opposite is actually quite true, which is kind of what we're talking about now is actually going back and regretting not being an intuitive eater and being on a diet. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. It sounds almost like we're a little bit opposite. And I would say, you know, it sounds like what you used to do is restrict so much and then get to parties and almost binge at the party, not binge, but you would just eat more than made you feel comfortable. Correct. Yeah. I I would typically go in with a plan, um, you know, of what I was going to eat exactly. And then because I wasn't satisfied with my plan, I would go off course and and that would lead to guilt. And, um, it, you know, I, I wasn't adhering to what my plan was and that would lead to binging and discomfort and all of that. And then guilt and rinse, repeat. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. But I would wait a little bit longer. So I was able to have such good willpower, even at the parties. I would generally still stick to, you know, the amount of calories that I allotted myself before going into Mm. the party. But then it was when I got home that, and usually after having a few drinks, of course, all my inhibitions are out the window, that I would lose control and, you know, binge uh, more or less. Um, So so, to kind of answer the question too, I'd going to parties for a long, long time and not just around the holidays, but any party throughout the year. I always had a strategy of not eating a lot on days that I knew I was going to a party um, or that I knew there was going to be, even even if I was going out to dinner, I would, I would kind of strategize that in my mind. Okay. I'm not going to eat a lot today because I know I'm going to want to order, you know, lasagna for dinner with a, with a beer or a glass of wine. I have to make room for those calories. And actually we do have a family member who talks about that quite often 
drives me nuts. Um, and I really try to reinforce not, I try not to reinforce that message. Like I try to reinforce to her the message of not saying that in front of my kids and like how that's not really healthy, but yet it still gets, it's continuing to be talked about every once in a while. It drives me nuts, but that used to be me. So I did not honor my hunger at all. I actually very much ignored it. Uh, funny thing though, I would always tell others and, you know, people that I was working with to help, you know, manage or lose weight to make sure that they don't go to parties starving. So I would give them the complete opposite in, or, um, tips than I was giving myself. So I would go to a party ravenous because I wanted to eat, you know, I wanted to have a couple cookies and whatever I wanted, but I knew in order to be able to actually have that without guilt, I need to make some room by eating less calories during the day. But I would tell others you know, make sure that you don't go to parties starving or don't make sure you don't go to the grocery store hungry, you know, same thing. So you don't overeat. So I definitely did not practice what I preached. Uh, And it really, honestly, both of those backfire. (laughs) Uh, So now I truly treat my diet the same each day, uh, regardless of if I'm eating out, going to a party or anything along those lines. I find that when I go to parties, I'm better able to focus on the conversation and the company versus then when I was hyper-focused on the food since I was quite literally in deprivation mode. And I want to go back to what I just said. I, I, I definitely think that the strategy I gave to clients was a little bit better. I think it's, it's good to go to a party, not necessarily on an empty stomach, but I, what I think when I said neither of those works is just having a strategy is not intuitive eating. Like if you're going to a party with a strategy in mind, like that's not being intuitive. If you're going through your day thinking, okay, well, I'm going to a party later today. I need to eat X, Y, Z in order to be able to be okay eating at my party. Like that's not intuitive eating. So simply having a strategy actually goes sort of against intuitive eating principles, honoring your hunger. Um, So yeah, but I I definitely think if you are going to have a strategy, probably the one that I gave to clients is better than going, um, than ignoring your hunger all day long and going to a party ravenous. Not good. Gina, I do have, so my mom is, notorious for saying that food tastes better when she's hungry. And I know that that is a very subjective statement. However, I have actually found that to be true. And yeah. I'll I'll notice that if I have a snack, let's say in the late afternoon, um, and I'm not particularly hungry when I'm making dinner, I'm not really, it, it, I'm doing it because I have a family to feed. If it was just me, I probably wouldn't cook. But I do think the same goes for something like if I'm going out to enjoy that piece of lasagna and my glass of red wine, whatever, fill in the blank, I do enjoy it more if I'm at least ready to eat. I'm not going to say starving or hungry, but if I just ate something, I wouldn't probably enjoy it as much. I don't know. That's a a bit of a balance um, for me. But again, I think it just goes back to like not putting the emphasis on it. Like it, it can be a part of the equation that you're going out to dinner later, but not restricting per se. I think there's a difference between kind of like having scheduled meals, you know, and eating intuitively at those meals versus just completely, you know, starving or restricting during the day to go out to dinner. I think you need to ask yourself why you're restricting yourself or why you're not eating this food, you know, an hour before you go to dinner. If you're, if you're not eating, like, let's say, you're starting to get a little bit hungry and you know you're going to dinner or to a party in an hour. Like for me, I think to myself, well, I'm already a little bit hungry. I'm probably actually not going to have access to food for at least an hour to two. So that's going to put me, I know myself, I'm going to be in a ravenous state. 
I'm actually, my body is telling me I'm already a little bit hungry. So I'm going to eat something small to kind of tide me over. But I know by, by the time I get to the party and I've mingled a little bit, I'll be ready to eat. I agree with your mom. I think she's totally right. Like food doesn't taste good when you're full, which is the whole idea of, you know, habituation and learning to, to stop when you're comfortably full. Because after a while, you're eating for something different, like to numb pain or whatever it is, or just because you're used to it, it's habit. You know, if, if you actually listen to your body, we're really good at actually stopping when we're comfortably full because of what your mom says. After a while, if you're not hungry, it just doesn't taste good. She's exactly right. So ask yourself, if you're not eating before to go, you go to a party, if it's because you truly are, are looking forward to enjoying a, a, good, a good meal and um, you want to be a little bit hungry so you can enjoy it a little bit more, that's totally fine. Where it becomes unhealthy is if you're saying to yourself, I need to go to this party you know, with an empty stomach because I know I'm going to eat a lot of calories and I don't want to eat too many now because that'll put me over, you know, over my calorie allotment for the day. That's when it becomes, I think, not intuitive anymore. Mm-hmm. But you need to ask yourself why, why you're thinking what you're thinking before you go to a party or any event or when you're making any food decision, really, it really comes down to being mindful of why you're making that decision. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So, so principle number three is make peace with food, a large part of which is to give yourself unconditional permission to eat. So let's talk about then versus now with regards to this topic. Do you want me to go first? I do. I love okay. your answer. <laughs> so how I did say you that- know that? I think we've been doing this a while. Well, <laughs> I see, I see that you have on here, your first line there. I'm like, maybe you want me to go first. Cause you want to say that. So, um, so old me used to make sure that I, this is, this is so, and I used to work, let me just tell you this. I used to, and I know I've told you this, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I used to work at a weight loss clinic. So I do have a lot of experience giving really terrible advice to people for weight loss. Although I don't think this is terrible advice, but just looking back, like I would never work in a weight loss clinic ever again. So that's why to me, it's just terrible advice. But um, I would always make sure and I would tell clients to bring an appetizer or a side dish or other dish that was light and low in calories um, so I could give myself unconditional permission to eat that food and nothing else. So for example, I would always make sure I was bringing like a relish tray or a fruit salad. And I'm talking about any party, you know, a cookout during the summer or whatever it is. Or maybe during the holidays, I would bring, you know, the pomegranate salsa and, and some really, you know, airy, light baked chips. So I knew there's at least something on that table that is, le- you know, low enough in calories and nutrient dense enough for me to continue eating and not feel guilty. And I would tell this to clients too: make sure that you bring something healthy so that there's nothing else there that you can eat. You'll at least have that to fall back on, which, oh, saying that out loud, like I just, I just cringe. Um, I was really proud of my ability to use willpower power at parties, uh, really my, my ability to control my impulses. I, I thrived on that. But of course, no one knew when I got home, like I just said, my biology almost always overpowered my willpower and I would binge. Uh, and when I say binge, I mean, I would get home, every, the word binge, I, I think it's kind of relative um, and a little bit subjective, but binging generally just means overeating beyond fullness um, and to some degree people with to larger degrees. But for me, it was definitely, I would say there were some big binge um, occasions for me. I mean, I had an eating disorder. I will say I've had multiple binge episodes where I've ate, eaten way beyond comfort, even to the point where the next day I was still full. 
Now that was truly when I was healing from my eating disorder. But when I was in that whole phase of disordered eating, when I would binge, just to kind of put it into perspective, like I would eat um, maybe like 500 to 600 calories. Let's just say, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what, but I just had this emptiness inside me from being at this party or event for so long and really thinking about food for so, so long. It was just, my willpower just went out the window and my biology just took over. I was hungry. Um, so that's what would happen. I'd go to a party. I would do real well in front of people and really make myself proud and then get home and just, I I don't want to say ruin all my, you know, good work, but essentially that's what I was thinking. So now nothing's off limits. I allow myself unconditional permission to eat all foods and not just fruits and vegetables. Cause I think back then, like I, sure I allow myself to eat foods unconditionally, but for me, it was like fruits and veggies, almost like the weight watchers rule. You know, you can eat fruits and vegetables as much as you want. That's what I would allow myself to do too, but that's not unconditional permission to eat. That's just unconditional permission to eat a certain type of food. So currently I restrict nothing in my diet. Uh, I can't remember the last time I binged or really overate to the point of being un- uncomfortably full. And I really don't have cravings anymore either. I will tell you the last time I had a craving was when I craved chocolate because I had to give it up for a month when I was on that tea study. So again, I restricted myself. I didn't have that unconditional permission to eat chocolate. So I craved it. Uh, so I come home from parties now or other events and I'm completely satisfied mentally, socially, and physically. Uh, Again, kind of going back to the last question, a big part of that is also habituation. Now that I allow things that I used to crave, like chocolate and cake whenever I please, I don't obsess over these items at parties as as much or at all. I used to go to weddings and this was usually after a couple drinks, I would eat like three pieces of cake. I mean, this wasn't always, this was kind of after my, as I was really even healing from disordered eating and even becoming more of an intuitive eater, you kind of go through this stage where you allow yourself more, you're going to have ups and downs. Again, it's a journey, not a destination. And I had this, I had these um, instances where I would actually eat almost what I would used to consider a binge, three pieces of cake, right? In a public setting. And to me, that was a really good sign. Like this is, this is me getting better. Um, but now I would certainly allow myself to eat three pieces of cake at a party if I wanted to, but it would never happen because I am so much more able to be satisfied generally with just the one piece. Sometimes I'll have two. That's all right. Um, But I'll eat that piece and generally be satisfied. Whereas before I restricted things I loved like cake and buttercream so hard that when I would eat it, I wouldn't be able to stop eating it. So that wasn't unconditional permission to eat. What about you, Nicole? I have a follow-up question for you. Do you think that being a dietitian impacts one's ability to have this unconditional permission to eat? Almost like, do you feel as though the judgment of others, whether it's right or not, it's it's a thing. Does does that impact? Would you say, or has that in the past impacted the way that you've eaten? I think that the answer is yes. It can absolutely impact the dietitian. Especially, and we kind of answered this question a little bit on one of our Q&A episodes. I think, especially if you're a new dietitian and you don't have confidence in your ability to be a dietitian. But for me, honestly, the fact that I am a dietitian makes it easier 
for me to have unconditional permission to eat because I love showing people how important it is to do that. So when people question, you know, why I eat certain things or I don't know, you know, sometimes you get looks or like the time my dad couldn't believe I gave my son, my three-year-old, a second piece of cake. He was just like, you could just tell he was just so confused. Like, why would you do that? And I let my kids generally have unconditional permission to eat too. And the fact that I'm a dietitian, I almost, it, it almost makes it easier for me because I love to be able to say, look, I have a degree in this. I know what I'm doing. Uh, so yeah, for me, it does not affect that. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my ability to do that. If anything, it makes it easier. But I'm sure there are dietitians out there to answer your question um, who do get affected by that. And because they're too sensitive about what they think other people are thinking. And I think we just need to let go of that and, and learn to be, have more confidence in ourselves as dietitians and what we know. Yes. And mm-hmm. I do think you being in a, in a average weight body would help with your confidence in doing that. I, I am yeah. there, but I would say that journey was, it was, it was something I had to really lean into wholeheartedly because I, I live in a larger body, but I would say, yeah. I agree 100%, you know, with the tactics really that you spewed um, my background. And we actually were going to have a, a fun interview coming up with a fellow duo uh, dietitian podcast pair coming up uh, talking about all the terrible advice we gave as dietitians early on, especially as it relates to weight loss. Uh, but I worked for Weight Watchers uh, in college. Ooh, ooh mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was like my dream job. <laughs> You know, uh, it was, I, you know, sometimes you look back in time and I was like 18 years old leading these Weight Watcher meetings with, you know, mm, the, the fill mm. in the, I mean, the all, all ages, right? It was yeah. just so interesting. And it, I can just, I can remember the little pantsuits I wore and everything. <laughs> uh, just shake my head. Just so funny. But uh, we have more similar pasts than I realize. And Similarly, I think being able uh-huh. to move away from the stressor of food has allowed me to eat intuitively. So, shocker, I don't go into the social events um, or holidays with this preconceived notion or plan as to how things are going to happen. I honestly don't even give it any consideration. I'm worried about childcare, what I'm going to wear, how am I going to be on time? You know, like, I mean, just life stuff. I mean, food yes. is not even on my radar. And shocker, I'm always more interested in talking or too busy. Yeah, parenting, you hosting, are. doing something um, that is a hundred times more enjoyable than stressing about food or strategizing my next chess move in the game of dieting. It was exhaustive. It was in- exhausting, ineffective, and it certainly distracted from the joy and enjoyment of what was right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, and I want to make it clear too. If you're thinking, well, I do think about food when I before I go to parties. I do too. I will say I do put a little bit of thought into into food before I go to parties. I ask myself, I wonder what's going to be there. I, really, as a as a way to plan, I I am trying to prevent myself from getting too hungry because I know what happens when I get too hungry. I become a ravenous, you know, b i t c h. Um, I get hangry. I I need to prepare for. Okay, is there going to be a full dinner? Are there going to be appetizers? Should I bring a snack? Should I eat before I go? So I think there is definitely some food thought before I go to most events. And I think most people, that's probably a healthy thing and completely normal. It just depends on where that food thought takes you. And is it healthy food thought and balanced food thought is where I think you need to start evaluating. 
Okay, so uh, principle five is discover the satisfaction factor. Do you think you were truly satisfied when dieting over the holidays, Nicole? Never. Honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, never. The the food rules and restrictions completely negated any type of satisfaction that could be derived from the, the, the whole experience. You know, for me, any detour from the plan, it resulted in prompt mental gymnastics into corrective actions. Um, Again, that's going to completely negate or any type of enjoyment. So the reality is that every day, um, you know, I'm not going to have eight side dishes and four dessert options sitting in front of me, but a few times a year. It really is a unique set of circumstances. And taking away the punitive nature of dealing with these instances really frees me mentally and emotionally to just be. Um, again, that was, that was a journey and a process We're there. Um, and so I know others can be too, cause I was, I, I was deep in, into the diet culture. Uh, so I can say with near certainty that last year I probably ate less during the holiday season and felt the best that I have physically and emotionally, because I, I would say I've only improved, um, year over year on trusting myself to just enjoy and, and intuitive eating be a hu- being a huge part of that. And, and just as a note, um, again, this isn't rehearsed at all. Like you, that's interesting to hear that you think about food almost as like, I don't want to get too hangry. I don't think about food going into events at all anymore, other than like a hostess type situation. Like, do I need to be, you know, like a hostess, do I need to be order, you know, worried about feeding people? And that's just being a good host. You know, it's not the stress of what it's going to be. It's it's really just how I live. That's interesting. So though. if you were invited to go, so for, this happened somewhat recently, a couple months ago, uh, we were invited to have drinks somewhere where I, it was at six o'clock mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I mean, I needed to know if there was going to be food there. I mean, I, I, if there was going to be food, I wanted to eat it, but if there wasn't, I wanted to have dinner first. So don't you ever think, is there going to be food or do you always, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I need to know there's going to be food. I don't know. That surprises me that you that you wouldn't want to know if there's going to be food. Or do you usually know based on who's inviting you and where you're going? Yeah, I guess I would almost assume if I was being invited somewhere at 6 p.m. that there would be something to eat. This was a restaurant. So this was, okay, that's, that's a good point. And usually I do know. That is a very good point. This was a, what was it? It was during the Memorial Golf Tournament, which happened later this year. And it was at a bar and it was outside. And I honestly didn't even know if they were going to be serving food because, again, it was during COVID. So maybe mm. the situation there was a little bit different. Um, but there have been times like that. Or I know we're invited over for drinks and I'm thinking to myself, I, I still don't know. Like, are they having dinner, appetizers? I, I don't know. I like more detail. And that helps me also as a hostess to know to tell people, like, here's what we're going to have. We're having dinner or you know, uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres or just some snacks. I usually tell people that because I know I want to know mm-hmm. so I can plan accordingly. Because I don't want to leave early because I'm hungry, you know? If I didn't get enough to eat, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm hungry, I got to go. So I'll I'll literally like pack things if I need to. Or again, eat, you know, somewhat heavy or eat a larger meal or large snack before I leave. I, I am still a planner like that. And that I'm not at all, that doesn't, I think for some people they they get scared. Like, am I too? Am I thinking too much about food in this case? And again, I think that my goal in the end is not. It has nothing to do with weight. It's simply to make myself feel better. So I'm listening to my body and, and being intuitive. Ah, uh, 
You know, I I don't know that I would change my answer. I, I guess I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't fear hunger either. Yeah. Okay. If that do you do I you get know. hangry though? Yes. Um. I mean, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here. So let's say we went with another couple and they were driving or I, I didn't have like an exit strategy because that will have to not ha- happen often. Like Mark yes. and I may go on the weekend and and we're going to so-and-so's, oh, we're going to swing by and say hi. And he and I will have a plan of like, hey, you know, if if we're not feeling it or whatever, like we're going to we're going to be bop out and we're going to go out for dinner or whatever. Like we typically have like a a, a plan B, um, but that's more just trying to optimize our time away, you know, like from our kids and stuff. Uh, I can't say, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think so I do still feel fear hunger, but not again, um, not for reasons other than I just know how I, how I get when I'm hungry. Uh, and I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I do just want to make mention and I, I don't like talking about weight, but I think it is a true fear that people have that living a life of intuitive eating is going to lead to weight gain. And this is all I can say for myself personally, is that I have been the exact same weight, plus or minus five pounds for years, even through two children years. You know, I, I gained weight with the girls and, and it came right back off. Um, so for if you're listening, fearing weight gain uh, with trusting yourself to eat intuitively, I just really, really urge you to give it a try and, and not a week, not a month. I'm, give it a sustained effort that you can really develop um, that trust with yourself and your body uh, because you do have the skills. They just need to be practiced. They're they're not supported by the culture that we live in. And, and it's often going against the grain. But when you really surround yourself with just positive messages and, and the tools to be successful with this, you can, you will find it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. But I think it's also important to note that you also shouldn't go into it hoping to lose weight because I think that mm-hmm. also goes back to principle number one is, you know, letting go of diet culture and diet mentality. If you still have even an inkling of diet mentality, you're probably not quite ready to embrace intuitive eating. That's probably why it's principle number one. It is so, so important to let go of that. The best thing you can do is get rid of your scale. I'm not even kidding. That was probably one of, if not the best things I ever did was get rid of, of, my, of my scale. Um, it's just been so freeing. Okay, so, but I think that, that's a very good point, Nicole. So I say that just because I know it's a real fear of people. And yeah. it's, yes, I, I agree with you 100%, Gina. I just know that that's, Going from where people live in this diet culture to throwing out the scale and not worrying at all about their weight is a, a big leap. So it may be a progression to get there, but it can be done. And the truth is, though, some people might gain weight. And that is true. I know I gained weight when I started uh, intuitive eating because this is my set weight. This is where my body feels comfortable. The, the weight I was at prior to being an intuitive eater wasn't a sustainable weight, clearly, because I was doing things that were not healthy for me mentally or physically to get there. So yeah, I think I've ended up gaining like two or three pounds, which I know for some people sounds ridiculous. Like what's the big deal? But for others, that's just monstrous. Uh, but that's about, I think I'm at my set weight. I, I'm feeling good. I I would never go back to where I was before, even if it meant I could lose another five pounds. It's just not worth it to me. Uh, and hopefully it's 
you know, people eventually will realize it's not worth it to them either, especially as they listen to us talk about this um, life before and after, you know, at least embracing listening to your body more. All right. So principle five, like I, I just said, discover your satisfaction factor. So I would say for a long time, I was a restrained eater, which kind of talking about what we just said, I think another good book recommendation is Health at Every Size by, she goes by Linda Bacon now, but I, I believe if you're searching for the book, it's Linda Bacon. Uh, but she defines restrained eaters. She says they try to control their weight and don't trust their body to do it for them. That is so, so key here. That was me. I tried so hard to control my weight and did not think my body could do it for me. But now that I trust my body to do it for me, I'm at a, I'm at a good weight. I'm, I'm feeling good where I am. This is my set weight. Yeah, I've gained a few pounds from before, but boy, has it been worth it. And I just feel so, so much better about myself. Now, going back to what you said, I understand I am not in a larger body. So maybe it would be different, but I really, truly don't think I would feel differently. But I, you know, I'm, I'm talking as someone in a, a, a smaller body. So I guess it's not really fair for me to say that. Um, so personally, no, I was never, ever satisfied uh, even as a restrained eater because every choice I made was deep down made with a restrictive mentality and it produced guilt within me. Even during a holiday meal, when I would allow myself to quote unquote splurge, I was automatically thinking, how will I make up for this tomorrow or later tonight? And I was also mentally counting my calories. <laughs> Uh, this is not satisfying in the least. Uh, now I make food choices based on how I think it will make me feel, my hunger level, my desire for that food, which, which I almost think is, is most important, and really nothing else. I also try not to rush my eating. I savor my foods and try to enjoy every bite. Once I start to realize I'm not enjoying it anymore, I try to put my fork down. Is it always like that? No, absolutely not. Are there times that I overeat? Absolutely. Do I put myself down for it? No. Uh, recently, I've been really working on eating without doing anything else, especially at lunch when I typically read or check emails while eating. That's just my thing. I go get my lunch. I eat it at my desk while reading or checking emails. I've been trying just to eat and think about my food only. Uh, I would say that's when I'm better able to respond to my fullness cues and actually enjoy the taste of my food. In other words, discover the satisfaction factor. I've been trying to do that. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but at least I, if I am going to eat, I try to do something that I enjoy, like reading rather than, you know, checking on emails or working. I try to actually make it like me time. Anything else to add to that? No, I don't think so. Okay. So to wrap up, I really want to remind people that satisfaction is the touchstone of all intuitive eating principles. In other words, if you aren't satisfied with the dietary choices you're making, it's going to be really hard to remain intuitive and develop a good relationship with food. Always ask yourself if the holidays bring you stress and if that stress has anything to do with food, diet, and body perception. So obviously for many people, the holidays, especially now, can be a little bit stressful. But if, if you can stop and ask yourself, are you stressed because of food or diet mentality or diet culture or because you're worried about gaining weight, um, maybe that is when we want to highly encourage you to talk to someone or invest in intuitive eating, especially the workbook, which I'm actually going through now as one of my last steps of becoming an intuitive eating counselor. I think that's what it's called. Um, and I'm really enjoying it and I, and I highly recommend it. We'll put a link to that workbook in our show notes, but it can be found on Amazon. 
And then also to wrap up today's episode, I just want to quickly read the intuitive eating holiday bill of rights. Number one, it says you have the right to savor your meal without cajoling or judgment. Uh, You have the right to enjoy second servings without apology. It's not your responsibility to make someone happy by overeating the food they spent hours to make. So for in other words, if someone says, you know, don't go to someone's house and see their beautiful spread of food and feel like you must eat all of it or have multiple servings in order to make them happy and satisfied. Uh, You have the right to stick to your original answer of no, even if you are asked multiple times. Just calmly and politely repeat, no, thank you, really. And you have the right to eat pumpkin pie for breakfast, which makes me think of when Paige was one. <laughs> I think she was teething. I know she was teething. And we, the only thing she would eat was pumpkin pie. I have a picture of her with you know, a completely runny nose sitting on, cam- or on Cameron, on Nick's lap in our dining room. And she's just straight up taking a fork to a giant pumpkin pie. <laughs> I should post that to our Instagram. <laughs> and then lastly... I want to read a post that I wrote and I want to share with you. I will say 10 years ago, this would have never been written, but today it flows very easily. Okay, here it goes. So this would be maybe a blog post that I would post. I don't have a blog anymore, but this might be something I would post now. Turn on your computer these days and you'll likely be inundated with news stories about how to prevent holiday weight gain. Good news. This is not one of those. I want to tell you it's okay to put on holiday weight. Blasphemy. I'm a registered dietitian with a master's degree in nutrition, but my years of living on this earth have taught me the best diet is one that includes eating foods you love, no deprivation, and most importantly, listening to your body's biological signals. This holiday season, I encourage you to say, it's okay if I gain weight this season. By doing this, you've made made an internal truce and have given yourself permission to forego the tips and strategies of limiting calories and sugar but instead to enjoy this magical time to its fullest, like when you were a child. I can all but guarantee that by loosening the reins, you'll not only have more fun this holiday season, but your clothes will still fit come 2021. Let me be clear. The rules this holiday season are not to count calories, watch portions, cut the sugar in your favorite holiday cake in half, but instead to enjoy all that the holidays have to offer without second-guessing your food choices and without depriving yourself of your favorite holiday treats. I might even challenge you to throw out your scale this season and never bring it back. I recently read the book um, that stated, this book that stated, when you stop trying to control your weight through willpower, your body will start doing the job for you. That was health at every size, in case you're wondering. This holiday season, give your willpower a break and let your body do its job. Tune in to your body's needs physically and emotionally. Feed your body with fuel, but also with love and positive self-talk. This season, start with being grateful to your body and kind to yourself. Woo! Love that. Complete opposite of what I would have written on my blog, you know, 15 years ago. You know, here are 10 tips for controlling your weight this holiday season. I probably wrote like five of those blog posts and you probably read them. (laughs) Ugh. Right. So moving on, I'm not saying like you as in like you were looking for, you know what I mean? I'm sure you read them because we were friends. (laughs) We still are friends. Uh, All right. Mom win or favorite new product. Nicole, you go first. Uh, A gloat. You have a similar gloat. I have nearly (laughs) finished my Christmas cards. So impressive. Uh, Yeah. The girls have actually helped. They've been quite helpful, I will say. 
Uh, Christmas decorations are up and Christmas shopping is in progress. I'm not buying much this year. And um, Santa, check, check. Uh, and pretty much every I, I'm well on my way. We'll put it that way. And then another win. That's just my selfish win. Uh, but a win for you. Chicken soup. OK, it is like kind of a little spin on your like homemade just chicken noodle soup, but it's made with turmeric and ginger. And then instead of noodles, it's got Israeli couscous. It is so good. I saw this. You posted a picture of it recently, right? Uh, you posted. Oh, no, 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 no. I was looking. I'm thinking about the uh, Italian. What did you call it? Italian cheeseburger. Yeah, Italian helper. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, no, totally different recipes. This no, is totally, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't know. I was envisioning. Okay, got it. That no, sounds this so was very, very good. My best friend sent me the recipe and I made it and it was really good. That's what I'm going to have for lunch today. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. All right. Lunch I'm part two. I had a little bit it. before I worked out and now I'm, I'm intuitively eating. I'm hungry. <laughs> so after <laughs> we sign off, I'm going to have soup. Perfect. All right. So my mom went very similar to yours. I would say I am 90% finished with Christmas shopping. I'm kind of waiting I always buy my things way too early and then miss out on these really good sales. So this year I'm trying to wait a little bit for certain items. Also, I'm not sharing the link quite yet, but I did try one of your cookies that we're going to be talking about on our holiday cookie slash beer episode. And I am so in love with them. I will say they were kind of a pain in the ASS to make, but boy, were they worth it because I, they are just so, so good. But again, I know which ones you're talking about. Okay. Okay. They, and I got a little bit lazy, which I'll talk about. I'll, I'll tell you exa- the story on when we record, but they are just really good. So just a little teaser for that. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So coming up on uh, December 13th, we will be dishing out another holiday taste test with seasonal beers, cocktails, and holiday cookies and desserts. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. Okay. Until next time, everyone be well. And Nicole, uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.